So I'm going to go into the intro now. All right. Get it. Thank you for listening to Hip Squared. I'm your co-host, John Beecham. And I'm Troy Kramer, and I'm trying to start the timer, which apparently isn't working right now. So I guess we should just have a simple hourglass instead of this digital monstrosity. Uh, the internet treats me better than this normally. <laughs> and you're listening to American Fantastics Pop Culture Podcast, celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? It would be better if I could get this timer working, but uh, it's been going good. Uh, I just got back from Spain, so that's exciting. Okay. Spain? Spain. Um, what was Spain like? Viva La España. Uh, beautiful, uh, hu- not humid, very dry, and like a nice balmy 50. So it was fantastic. Great weather the whole time. Um, got to see my then-girlfriend, now-fiancé. What? What? So exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it was a great time. Um, I went over with her family, and we were just there for... You're like a, a stowaway? Pretty much. Uh, they just uh, stuffed me up into like the the top compartments in the airplane. I didn't realize it was her, her whole family. I thought it was just you and Abby. Yeah, no, it was her parents, her brothers, me, and then one of her brother's girlfriends. Okay. So we were there for about a week. We got to see a bunch of Madrid, got to see Plaza del Sol, was there for New Year's, mm-hmm. um, got to see Segovia. Had some suckling pig from Segovia. Whoa. That is some delicious baby pig. I bet it is. I know. Babe must have been amazing. The innocence tastes so good. (laughs) Um, Well, that's neat that you had such a good time in Spain. I, yeah, I bet that was really cool, like, Mm -hmm. magical time being in another place. I had a wonderful Christmas and New Year's um, and being envious of you being abroad, Mm. but then also got... Good news that Troy finally got hitched, so he sowed his wild oats and is finally settling down. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, so one of the first things we want to talk about today, uh, a lot of people have been playing and talking about the new Super Mario Run mobile game. Uh, uh, yeah, the Super Mario Run. Yeah, Super Mario Run, as it's known colloquially. Um, well, I... I'm not really a huge into mobile games. I just got a smartphone recently, and the only reason I did was because when I my last phone died, there were no more free phones except for those. <laughs> yeah. And the one that my uh, wife Kelly has that we both didn't like. So I finally got... And I only have, like, you know, I don't really use it as a smartphone, per se, all the time. I It only connects to Wi-Fi. I don't have data, so... Mm-hmm. But I do like playing games, and I do like, you know, using apps every once in a while, and, like, I figured that would be something entertaining that you could do on your own. But I've also realized that, like, of the few mobile games I've played, it's kind of like the old ages of the internet and, like, fighting <laughs> pop-up ads. And, like, you're basically yeah. letting yourself sit through commercials or ads or, like, offers to sell you things so you can play a free game. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yes, you're working. You have to deal with all those ads. On the other hand, the people that are making those games have to make money somehow. They can't just, you know, give you free games as much as we'd love them to. Uh, that's kind of the, the one exception to that was Pokemon Go did a really good job of like just kind of there were very few ads getting in the way yeah. of the experience but uh, that's not the, that's just not the case you can't do that with most yeah, games most games don't let you get away with that now say like Pokemon Go you didn't just like when you were in your environment you didn't see like ads in... no so I think how they ended up well, getting they, their ad it's revenue good. okay go ahead I think what they ended up doing is they essentially you could make your location a poke shop 
or Pokestop, yeah. and then that's how they got like their ad revenue. Is you? Oh, so like businesses could make themselves a Pokestop, but they had to pay for that. I... That's what I'm guessing. Okay. Because I never, I don't remember seeing a whole lot of ads. Yeah, and and that kind of makes system. sense, but it also seems like too like I know it's hooked up to Google Maps, so maybe mm-hmm. like. It just seems like those businesses would be marked locations in a map anyway. It would be, like, so many. Like, they would need... S- yeah, well, because- there were a ton of Pokestops. Yeah. And the other thing was is that um, the infrastructure for Pokemon Go was actually based on an earlier game called Insurgency? Yeah, I, I know it was, like, it was designed by another company mm-hmm. besides Nintendo, and then it was kind of, like, adapted into the Pokemon franchise. Right, it was the same good. company that designed... Uh, the same company that designed Pokemon Go designed this initial game. So they used all of this data that they had from that game in Pokemon Go. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how else they would have gotten the money on yeah. Pokemon Yeah, well, I mean, Go. I know that you had to buy things. Like, that's what people would do is that they would yeah, buy Pokeballs true. and they would buy... Like, so instead of... Like, sometimes games will let you farm things, but I, I think it's, like, usually probably really slow. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if you run out of Pokeballs, like, well, you just have to stop playing until you're... Yeah, so normally when you... Unless you pay... Unless you pay, like, $2 for 10 more Pokeballs. So, they were... So, that... I I totally forgot about that. But that's how how they made their money, is that... Because I know people that bought... That went in and bought a few Pokeballs just to keep playing. Um, The other way... And how they did it was... You could get more Pokeballs by going to Pokestops, which was trying to get people to move around more. Um, But, again, if if you ran out... Uh, and, like, you couldn't just go to a Pokestop and just load up on them. Yeah. It was, like, you get, like, two, and then you have to wait 15 minutes before you can hit it up again. Okay. So it's, like, kind of, like, for impatient people or lazy people, could just kind of shortcut the system by... Right, and that's what most of these systems are. I mean, you get get into any of these mobile games, that's what they do, is that um, you can play it... A lot of them, you can play it... There are some games where you can play it as much as you want, but you won't, like, keep getting the rewards that you'll get if you come back every day. Um... There's a whole scary idea behind this. Yeah. It's called Skinner Box Theory. Yeah, it's, like, about, um, like, giving you rewards, and, like, those rewards will create sort of, like, the con- conditioned response where you'll keep... And I know a lot of it's, like, people talk about it's mixed up in brain chemistry and, like, dopamine mm-hmm. and... But, yeah, it's, like, creating... It's, like, triggering your reward system over and over again. So even if the experience itself isn't quite as, like, thrilling, like, that dopamine response... Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean, and that's what Pokemon Go hits on that yeah. uh, really easily. And I know we were going to talk about Mario Run, but sorry. Well, we gonna go, we have to give our little introduction to our opinion on mobile games generally, because it's, mm-hmm. like, it's a really new uh, phenomenon. Well, it's not too new anymore, Yeah. but relatively speaking, in the short, long history of video gaming, it's they're fairly new. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, a different style of gameplay, and it's also, like, um, I guess, like, what's different to me is... When I grew up, like, games, they were always kind of expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on, you kind of, like, learned how to get, like, used games or, like, mm-hmm. find, like, the games that were a few years old. Those were always, like, a little right. less expensive. But um, you'd always pay something. And then you would basically pay for a whole complete game. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes there would be, like, an expansion came back would come out. And, like, you pay a little extra, but it would be, like, after the regular game was over. Yeah, you would have a complete game yeah. when you bought that game. Yeah, and then it was, like, almost like you could either, like, wait for, like, the sequel to come out. Or sometimes they would come out with, like, a mini mm-hmm. sequel expansion. But, but, yeah. So, but, like, the way... But the was interesting about Super Mario Run is, like, they do let you pay the first three stages for free. But then you can unlock the entire game for 10 bucks mm-hmm. which to me is a little bit more honest of a business model because it's kind of like we'll let you play what's basically a demo and then if you like that if you enjoyed that they can you know unlock the whole game for free but i do <laughs> when troy and i were playing like 
They make you do. They, you, you can kind of get sucked in these little bonus things or like things where it's like they involve social networks and I guess showing off of like, look mm-hmm. how cool of a toadstool kingdom I can build. Mm-hmm. But um, there is that kind of whole like get you to come back over and over tug to it. But I do like at least that they give you the option of instead of like um, cutting you with like a thousand paper cuts, it's like you can either pay all this at once mm-hmm. or just not played anymore yeah no i don't know how much content is in the game yeah. you'd actually have to look into that a bit more if there is that ten dollars worth. Well, yeah of content. i mean i think there I'm, I'm certain there is and like i know because i've seen video game play footage and like yeah like there's it's definitely longer than some like ten dollar games right that you could get off of steam and things like that and uh-huh. it's it's well designed it's by nintendo so it's like it's good that it's coming out like with a good product right. and like doing it that way but it's just interesting seeing like this company who's always made games which are expensive up front and that's how mm-hmm. they you know, move units and like consoles mm-hmm. and physical cartridges, and now having to figure out how to make money off of digital downloads. And I like that they kind of like found that sweet spot in the middle where it's still less expensive than a game you would get for 3DS or Wii U. Right. But it's like you're not going to have to just pay. Oh, you get like 99 cents, and there's another mushroom, or there's a free mm-hmm. star if you pay another dollar. No, I'm, I bet it has that in there. It could, but uh, it does. It, I do like that. It like you can get the whole game for that ten dollars, um, and. At this day, day and age, you just couldn't put a game on, uh, I, like on iTunes or the App Store and say, "Hey, this is ten dollars to pay up front before you get to do anything." Yeah, and I think because Nintendo has that reputation and they're slapping their big mask on on it, they probably get a lot more leeway than yeah. If you were just some kind of like unknown developer, and even if you had made right. an incredible game, like asking people, you'd probably be better off just releasing it on Steam and not making it a mobile game at all. If that's how much you had to charge for it. Yeah, and that's just like the the where we've gotten to in this day and age, it, it's hard to convince people to pay money um, into mobile games. Yeah. Like, even even that 99 cents, because you'll see games for 99 cents all the time, but people are like, yeah. Ugh. And I wonder if it's that they don't want to pay it, or it's the whole, uh, you're getting me you're getting me yeah. good with that. It's like, probably because, yeah, a, a lot of it is because they don't want to feel like suckers. Mm-hmm. But also, um, too, it's like, it's hard to distinguish from games that are actually worth like a dollar, and they're trying to sell ten thousand games so they can make you know a decent, like a little right. bit of investment for like the programming they put into it. But there's so many, and it's and I think it's like yeah, if people did the time and did research, you could probably find like what are the top ten mobile games that are under five dollars or under a dollar, and find mm-hmm. the really good ones. But yeah, most people it's kind of like when there's so much free entertainment, even if it's not quite as good, like people will just. Mm-hmm. Well, the other issue is that a lot of these mobile games nowadays are just turning into the same game. It's it's yeah. hard to see all these different variations. Like you have uh, Mario Run, but along the same veins, you have a game that just came out from Sega. Yeah, uh, Sonic Dash, yeah. which is not the same game, but it's uh, very similar to an older game called Temple Run. That's another you know running game through like you're doing quick reactions to dodge obstacles and in the same vein mario run is the same thing where you're doing you're having to pay attention dodging obstacles um sonic dash is a lot more uh i don't know is more hardcore than mario run because mario run seems very from the little we played it seems very forgiving let's talk about a little bit about the gameplay um because first off so, like, Mario Run, Super Mario Run looks like a Mario game. It looks mm-hmm. kind of like um, New Super Mario Brothers for DS or um, on the Wii. It's a classic yeah, platformer Yeah, classic game. platformer, side-scroller. Yeah, and so, basically, you're always running left to right. Mm-hmm. And every time you need to dodge an obstacle, you tap the phone. You can tap the phone twice and do a little, like, helicopter coral and 
hover down, you can get all the items. So, like, you'll see your your mushrooms that'll make you bigger, your mm-hmm. um, stars that'll make you invincible. There's all the enemies you can jump onto, all very charming and, like, with that Mario-like animation. And so it's kind of like they streamlined those old-fashioned Mario games right. into just using one button and constantly having you, like, on rails. Mm-hmm. And it's a very forgiving game, too, because early in the tutorial while you're going through it, uh, you it tells you like you can just run up to obstacles and Mario will vault over it, mm-hmm. or you can press jump and he'll jump. But what it also like it's so forgiving that the Goombas that have mm-hmm. the classic Mario enemy Mario will just jump over them without you doing anything. Yeah. You can just run up to him and just go all right, see you, and j- hop right over. I know them. it's kind of like it's like the um, participation award right. equivalent for like because those old games were so unforgiving, and I do I like that video games because I'm not, I noticed a marked shift around, like, the late 90s, early 2000s when games just got a little easier. And I think it mm-hmm. was because they were looking for that mass market appeal. And, like, some of the old games were so simplistic that the only way they could make them, make you keep coming back, is just making them incredibly hard and difficult. So you had to practice over and over. But, mm-hmm. but Mario, um, yeah, is a little bit forgiving. And you can definitely, yeah, you have, like, all the chances in the world that you need, basically... Mm-hmm. Um, Sonic Run on the other Sonic hand, Sonic Run, yeah, Sonic Dash on the other hand, Sonic Dash is kind of more like an old school arcade game where it's just a lot of like fast reflexes. Mm-hmm. So um, Sonic Dash came out from Sega. The whole reason I got Sonic Dash is because I wanted to get Super Mario Run, mm-hmm. but because I have an Android device, I have a Galaxy S4 old phone that I got for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to, yeah. So so Mario Run wasn't on that platform, so I got this instead, um, and. Yeah, it was it was like a charming game on its own. It's, it has really good graphics. That's one thing that kind of blows me away about mobile games these days. My I always buy old laptops. I can't afford a nice look new one, but my free cell phone now has a better like <laughs> graphics processor inside. I think it's really cool though, mm-hmm. and um, the graphic style is really neat. It's got that old school Sonic kind of cartoony feel, mm-hmm. and basically, yeah, it's like chasing after rings, jumping over enemies, through enemies, fight Doctor Robotnik at the end. And but if you make mistakes you can either like crash into obstacles like not dodge them and just die instantly or you can run out of rings and die right but um it's so, yeah so i think both of these games play on what they on like their big selling point which is nostalgia they're trying to get the people that played games like played those games back when they came out back into it mm-hmm. you played sonic dash it feels very much like you know your original sonic games yeah. it doesn't look the same yeah. but you still have that quick everything's going mm-hmm. by really fast you need to be paying attention yeah. Uh, reaction to it and the same can be said with Mar- Mario Run in a different aspect in that it's very it's very friendly it's all br- bright colors mm. it's all um, trying to get you to you know get you through the level get you to feel that victory or success at the end uh, that's why the early levels are so easy it's yeah. hard to there die is those them. very frequent kind of reward systems like you don't have to mm-hmm. put in a lot of investment to get a little bit of payoff of like an accomplishment or feeling like you did something or got a prize or finished, right. finished a little phase of it yeah. that's why they're throwing coins at you all the time yeah, in that game that's true. <laughs> Uh, there, there are points where the game is just literally spewing coins. Yeah, and Sonic is like that too. It's like the of the rings is like almost constant, and like the cool um, mm. music in the background. So it's like, yeah, it's like this very intense stimulation. Where it's like every sense is like the candy equivalent, like yeah. eye candy, ear candy, and like. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> fast this is twitch, yeah. But this is all the same stuff that you had like when you were a kid or when you were younger yeah. playing these games. It was all. Bright colors. It was all very fast. Um, Sonic was more intense. I remember when I was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was playing Sonic. I was terrible at it, and I didn't like it because it was so fast, and I couldn't keep yeah. up with it um, because I was younger. But Mario was slower, a slower pace. It gave you plenty of time to complete the levels, 
and uh, that's why I enjoyed Mario more. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just a testament to the design of these games in that they do keep um, they feel very much like their predecessors. Yeah, um, it keeps the same style and gets the people that enjoyed those games coming yeah. back to them again. I would say it's kind of like it's cool for something that you can just pull out and take out of your pocket. But it's also kind of like it's like they um it's like comparing I don't know, like a nice burger at like a nice burger and grill where it's like, you know, a ten dollar burger mm-hmm. to like what you would get at McDonald's. Like <laughs> it'll work. It's better than not and than going hungry if you're bored. Mm-hmm. It's cool to be able to pull it out and play it. But I definitely think it's like as far as the quality and like the enjoyment and like the long term like and satisfaction, I, I could get that feeling much easier from like playing the old Sonics or like Super Mario World. It's like, and that's like I think where like if you really want a good mobile game, get a PSP or get a DS or something mm-hmm. like that. I think like the but if you just want something that's like convenient, and easy, and fun until you can play a, like a much better video game. Yeah, but well, I, I want to see the mobile game that like proves me wrong because I'm sure there it's probably already out there is coming out soon. Well, that's the that's the whole concept of depth in gaming. You know, you can have a lot of games that have concepts that do you do fun things but if they don't have depth they just won't be they won't continue to be fun Mm -hmm. um a way that mobile games get around this is by the skinner boxes that we were talking about earlier (laughs) is that you there's just not a whole lot to this game Mm. you're running i i would pay like a good five or ten bucks for like a nice jrpg like i feel like that's something you could very easily accomplish like just Mm -hmm. you know top down view going around exploring dungeons fighting monsters like you could do motion controls for all that and like i don't know if that already exists or like somebody just adapted like an old-fashioned version of mm-hmm. that it probably exists and it's probably not that good because really? nobody's buying it yeah um <laughs> the problem with jrpgs is nobody buys jrpgs anymore yeah. they're so old but like we're school. talking about nostalgia genres though like if you're uh, trying to get that millennial like that 35 30 year old millennial like oh yeah we're gonna make you final fantasy 6 but for your phone why do you think they keep like why do you think they keep talking about final fantasy 7 is gonna come out on the yeah. next generation the remake of it so, yeah. I don't know. We can we can talk about the nostalgia and all this yeah, forever. So we should but... talk about other... So you had another kind of game that you wanted to talk right. about tonight. So, um, I'll, I'll start this off with... Uh, I'm going to give you three names, and I bet they won't mean anything to you. Okay. Um, Joe Lissette, Tom Ross, and Luis Scott Vargas. No. No. No idea. <laughs> so, these are all three of the most well-known Magic the Gathering professionals. Uh, Yes, I'm dead (laughs) serious. So these are all people that play Magic the Gathering, a collectible card game that came out in 1993 Mm -hmm. uh, for a living. Um, So they're kind of like, instead of playing poker, like they play Magic. Precisely. Um, A lot of these people actually get their start, got their start from poker. Um, The same kind of odds, um, Mm -hmm. analysis, and uh, bluffing that's required for poker uh, is required in high-level mm-hmm. uh, Magic the Gathering as well. Um, the reason that I'm bringing this up, and I've been I've been playing Magic for probably three years now. Okay. But the reason I'm bringing this up is that this weekend, January like sixth, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, is Grand Prix Louisville, which is a big Magic the Gathering tournament that's happening in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably going to be over a thousand players there. Uh, all many of them competing for a top prize and Two of the players that I mentioned will almost certainly be playing in that event. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Lissette and Tom Ross, because it is... Um, so what are their, like, reputations, other than being really good? Uh, is one of them, like, a bad boy, and the other one's, like, 
where the uh... so they're both really well known. They're the two players that I know that are really well known for the particular format that they're playing. Okay. Um. So <laughs> here's where I have to get really weird. So in the realm of Magic: The Gathering, in mm-hmm. this whole card game that's been out for 20 years now, yeah. over 20 years, um, different what are called formats have come up. So like different sets of rules. Different sets of cards that are able to be used. Okay. They've been releasing cards for 23 years. So it's kind of like you can... It's just like these different pools that you can kind of like... Correct. from to... Okay. Correct. So they've been releasing these cards for 23 years. Now, the cards that they released 22 years ago are ridiculously expensive. Um, When I say ridiculously expensive, I mean the event they're playing this weekend is what's known as Legacy. Mm -hmm. Most of the decks will be over $1,000. Wow. The cards that are consistent. Because they're so old and rare. Because they're so old, they're so rare, they're so hard to find. Mm -hmm. Um, And they haven't been printed in like 15 plus years. Um, I know one of the players, his like Joe Lissette's deck, who is one of the players I just Mm -hmm. mentioned, his deck is well over two grand. Man. (laughs) So that's just... Just try and wrap your mind so around So you could say his deck is stacked? His deck is stacked. Nice. Now, he's going to be playing against uh, a whole bunch of other people that have you know, just as expensive decks. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of skill going into this. But the reason that I mentioned Joe Lissette and Tom Ross is that um, Joe Lissette's been playing. He just won a big tournament mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. So he's like... he's well-known in the Magic community, and he's been um, trying to climb his way up. Tom Ross is another uh, player that's played for years. He's been playing mm-hmm. for around 15 years, but he always plays like the same style deck, so everybody knows him, and he's yeah. very good at it. Okay. Um, I'm not playing in that tournament. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Do gonna I have pr- a attorney for noobs? Or so, not noobs, but like amateurs, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, so in addition to, this is all like... Every the legacy event, mm-hmm. that's all the main event. I'm playing in all the side events that okay. are going on, like on yeah. the side, because I don't have a thousand plus dollars to spend yeah. on a deck. Well, they probably do. Like, they need people to come that are going to spend like fifty dollars on magic cards that came out like a year or two ago, and, right? Like, play and like build the community and build. Mm-hmm. But that's cool that like they let you kind of be a part of the main event of the. Um, It'd be kind of like if you could like go to Wimbledon and then it'd be like this side tournament going on in like a park, right? Like right. across the street for the amateur. Yeah, it's for the amateurs playing on the side. That's like we want to be there. We want to like feel like we're yeah. in with the community, but we like I know that I'm not up to that level and yeah. I'm not going to spend all that money to play in this event. So it makes like Magic. Like, why do people get so psyched up about Magic when there's all these other card games? Like, why did Magic like? Is there something unique about it or, like, particularly good? Like, I oh, like the oh. art. Because I remember getting Magic cards when I was, like, little. I didn't have anybody to play with. I kind mm-hmm. of understood the rules because nobody else had a Magic deck. Because mm-hmm. this would have been, in like, 1993, like, 5, maybe. Like, oh, very so early like, on. So it would have been, like, two but years I after really liked, Yeah, but I really liked the art in the cards. I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. And I liked the little lore that kind of came up, like... Right, the flavor like, text at the bottom. Yeah, it would be, like... Um, f- Flavonoids Goblin Raiders. <laughs> and it would be, like... Like, the flavonoids uh, always mount their enemies' heads on pikes after they kill them. And then and then it's like, you look at it, and they're, like, super weak. They're like, one, one, and they cost a plane. Yep. <laughs> or something like that. But, like, so they, that's cool that, like, they do invest a lot into the art. Yeah. And, like, creating that lore. But, like, is there anything special about the game specifically, like, how it's played? That, why is it? Why has it stayed around for as long as it Like, has? why Magic and not, like, something else that would be just as huge? But it seems like Magic is, like, the dominant card game still. Like, uh, there's a couple reasons. Um... First off, it's the oldest. It was okay. the first one that came out. 
Gotcha. Um, no other. It's the first collectible card game that came out. It came out before uh, Pokemon. It mm. came out before Yu-Gi-Oh. It came out before all those games. Uh, so people have just known it longer, and it exploded when it first came out since it was such an original idea at the time. Um, beyond that, the designers have done a very good job of keeping uh, what we call the power level mm-hmm. uh, very clean. They haven't made like they haven't. They've recognized that this game has been out a long time, and they've mm-hmm. respected that. Um, so they haven't like created overpowered cards that would be able to right. like kind of like wreck so, being able to use older decks and things like that. Exactly. So one thing that games like Yu-Gi-Oh have done is that every year, um, whatever card was printed in the last year, they'll just make something better. They'll mm-hmm. just keep pushing up how good the cards are each year. And it's a great way to sell it because if your players want to compete, yeah. they have to buy the newest set. And it's also, too, like, if you're selling to 9- and 10-year-olds mm-hmm. that Yu-Gi-Oh! is targeted at, they're probably, like, not as discerning as consumers. And, like... And if it's that new, usually you can buy it for, like, 3 or 4 bucks a pack instead of, like... Or, like, however much it costs. Right. You don't have to buy, like, the $100 set. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean... So, that's those are the big reasons that Magic has stayed around so long. It's It's been... Um, well controlled. There have been several times where a lot of people thought it was going to die. Mm-hmm. Essentially, uh, people were fleeing from the game because various things were happening that I could explain, but to the to the general audience, it would be hard to understand. Yeah. But um, it's just been around. It's been around for a long time. Um, the other reason is that it has it does randomness better than a lot of games do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like still a certain dimension of luck involved, even if you're oh, yeah. on the top. Okay. Right. So there's, so you're not going to go into a game and the best player will always win. Mm-hmm. Um, generally the best player is favored because it is a very strategic game. There's a yeah. lot of thought, as I said, the statistics from yeah. the poker guys, um, all that comes into play, but a new player can still beat um, somebody that's been playing for a long time mm-hmm. uh, if they get if they get the right luck. So um, it is accepting to newer players. Uh, they've been working on that more and more uh, mm-hmm. in more recent years by bringing down the complexity of the game. Yeah. Um, just so that uh, newer yeah. players think, can get into I it. I think that's kind of too like what Dungeons and Dragons has done with Fifth Edition, and it seems like a lot of these games that are. They used to be targeted toward the hardcore nerd, but now that mm-hmm. like nerd culture is opening up and becoming like less stigmatized, mm-hmm. it's kind of like to bring more people in, you have to lower that entry bar, right. not necessarily dumbing things down, but just kind of like streamlining them because mm-hmm. like I think with Magic and Dungeons and Dragons and a lot of those older versions, like there was need needless complexity and like oh, yes. and like it just created like these convoluted rules whereas like I think if you can find people to sort of chip away at that like that's a good thing mm-hmm. like a good way to evolve old prop and like even comic books do that like they'll reset continuity because right. they know like <laughs> if you're wanting to get new readers every five years you can't be like worried <laughs> about stuff that happened 12 years ago mm-hmm. that you need to like have collected the comic for you know but well that's just as the uh current design current main head designer of mm-hmm. magic has said many times uh, the death of magic will be its own complexity and its own um resistance to letting new play mm-hmm. new people join um it's they've been as i said they've been doing a very good job in more recent years of uh bringing it down to a new a new player level so this just occurred to me mm-hmm. but we we're talking about mobile games that have a lot of depth 
mm-hmm. it's kind of the Blizzard equivalent to Magic, but the game Hearthstone. Yes. Which is which is kind of like World of Warcraft on a mobile game. You can play with friends. It's very easy to play against mm-hmm. friends or the computer. And I feel like as a card game, as far as card games go, and like the strategies and all, like building your decks and like, because mm-hmm. um, that's what Blizzard seems to be really good at is adapting existing genres that have already been kind of like somebody else has blazed the trail, but Blizzard will create their version of it, which is very user friendly, but also very good. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Hearthstone is like that for Magic, but it on is. a mobile device. It is. It's a very good. Um, it's a very good. What am I thinking of? Digital collectible card game. Um, it's so good that uh, Magic the Gathering Online, which is just an online version of mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering, has been trying, has pretty much been copying Hearthstone to get to a point where people will play that. Because it's in the past, if you looked at Magic the Gathering Online, it looked like a spreadsheet. Uh, it was painful to play. It just didn't. It wasn't enjoyable for most people, and mm-hmm. it was kind of a nightmare. But now that they're, but they're trying to follow in Hearthstone's footsteps yeah. because they've Hearthstone figured out. Oh, if we make this look good for people, like make make the animations look nice, make um, mm-hmm. you know everything just more friendly. Well, I think people play yeah. More. I mean, because you can do very simple things like all that cool lore on each magic card. If you got somebody who's a good actor to narrate those, and like even just make it an option, but like. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at the cards, do you want somebody to read what's on it in like a really cool voice? And like, mm-hmm. you could add production value that would not really necessarily like change the gameplay, but just make it a more like enriching experience. And right. And the the issue is that Wizards hasn't Wizards of the Coast, who's yeah. the maker of Magic, hasn't um, valued the online uh, presence as much yeah. as Blizzard has. Uh, because Blizzard's been doing... Yeah, I mean, Blizzard's a video game company, and too, I guess, like, old-fashioned board games and card games maybe, in, like, some part of themselves are feel somewhat threatened by, like, electronic gaming or online gaming, because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, they don't know if, like, well, if people migrate to their digital devices, like, are they going to keep playing our analog cards? Mm-hmm. I think now the answer, I hope people realize, is yes. Like, mm-hmm. people who are nerds that are into something will buy whatever that thing is and, like, 10 different versions like yes. look at star wars yeah so it's like yeah like people that are going to be buying your magic cards you're also going to be like playing it in the subway or mm-hmm. you know challenging their friends at work and yes. yeah the whole the whole idea of um computer games taking over physical card games is very real and the one thing that physical card like that physical card and board games still have going for them is that feeling of picking up components and putting them yeah. down that communication of talking with your friends yeah, across the, the social table. aspect of being in person and like yeah being able to share snacks and like or go to a big convention and right so troy when did you say that was so the... that that event gp louisville yeah so i need to see the date what's today so gp louisville's um january 6th 7th and 8th okay um we might be there we might okay. get a couple interviews we'll see how we'll see yeah. how it goes we'll see how busy it I'm is i'm interested in going yeah um it's going to be down at the fairground not the fairgrounds the convention center. Okay. The big Louisville where everything happens in like Louisville. Like where the state fair is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, it's yeah. going to be in a big hall uh, in the state and like one of the side rooms. Yeah, so Last just... time we went, it smelt like horses. Yeah. So we're probably, probably going to the Probably because of the, uh, we should go. I think that's called the, I think it's the Kentucky Expo, Expo Center. center. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so if you're in Louisville, that'll be coming up this weekend. We will be around. We'll give you our report next week. 
Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, we can certainly talk about it, though. Like, I'm sure we can at least look up and see what Joe Schmo and Tom Ross and Larry Lestat or whoever these people are. Joe Lestat. <laughs> so you're Joe Schmo and you're Larry Lestat. We're pretty close. Okay. But Tom Ross was dead on, so yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, well, uh, before we go, everybody, I did want to thank DanoSongs.com for mm-hmm. uh, the royalty-free intro and outro music. You guys can check that out. Um, if you'd like to add some free music to your video or audio projects. Um, if you do, what, do you want to support Hip Square, the best way to do that is to go uh, to AmericanFantastic.com. Uh, we got a cool merch store. You can also find us on Patreon, and there's details on the website about that. Um, if you'd like to support us, we are coming up strong on our winter update. Woo! And um, part of that is going to be we have an audio and podcast section of the website now. That's where we're going to archive... Um, episodes of hip squared you can also stream it online on your um soundcloud so if you have a soundcloud app mm-hmm. you can listen to it wherever you would like to uh there's also all the episodes of the american fantastic radio hour i did with art fm um you can listen to you can also listen to art fm at artxfm.com but there's always you can keep up with uh what we're putting through the sound waves to you mm-hmm. and um other than that um troy did you have anything else you'd like to add uh nope i think uh, i think we're good to go all right we covered it okay well thank you for listening everybody and we'll catch you next week on hip squared toodles I don't remember what the music is like at all. That's all right. It's so. more like... Yeah, it's very, it's very jazzy and stuff. <laughs>